HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Opening Soon is sponsored by Pop Menu, which helps turn first-time guests into regulars for your restaurant. For a limited time, get $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash HRN. Fourteen months in and it's finally here. Vaccines, reopenings, and targeted restaurant relief. After a year of lobbying by the Independent Restaurant Coalition, the IRC, the Restaurant Revitalization Fund started taking applications this week. Woohoo! Yay! Yay! It's so exciting. So here to talk to us today about the grant fund and reopening in general is Chef Amanda Cohen. She is the owner of the acclaimed and beloved OG Vegetarian <laughs> Temple Dirt Candy. Our neighbor here at Tilla NYC, she's just a block away. So we're actually recording in person for the first time in 14 months, all fully vaccinated. So much to celebrate. Um, Amanda is an active member of the IRC, and she is an outspoken advocate of reopening the industry differently. So we are so (laughs) excited to have you here and to be chatting. Um, So first and foremost, thank you for spending the last year advocating and actually getting something done. How does it feel? It feels pretty good. I think uh, Monday when the portal opened at the uh, SBA and we all were sort of doing our applications and I, we all started crying again. Everybody who had sort of been a real big part of the IRC because this is what we had been working for. I mean, we all learned how to lobby. We've all met our representatives. We've all done like really weird things out of our comfort zone. <laughs> and all of a sudden it really happened. Here we were and we were certainly a part of getting uh, the restaurant community more funding. It's not enough yet. Uh, 186,000 businesses registered on Monday. Holy shit. I read it was like one in three restaurants registered. Yeah, basically. And then it was like something like 100,000 within the first hour. Wow. Um, No website crashes. (laughs) There were so many. There were. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they did as good as they could. I, You know, they put it together. But yeah, I mean, people were sort of stuck in limbo for a couple hours. Uh, It's like refresh, refresh. Yeah, exactly. PPP uh, flashbacks. Uh, 90, I think what it was, it's something like 91,000 of those are uh, sort of priority Mm -hmm. applicants. So they're they're women or veterans or minorities. uh, And uh, they'll be the ones who get their applications looked at first. But that's pretty amazing because what happened with the PPP and one of the reasons that we started fighting so hard for the Restaurant Relief Fund was that smaller businesses got left out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They... 
they don't have that relationship with their banks. It wasn't, it all happened so fast that I don't think it was explained properly to the smaller businesses either. And a lot of the um, sort of immigrant communities had a, just left money on the table that they could have had. One of, uh, I, I think maybe in June, uh, I was invited to testify in front of uh, the small business committee. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, our representative in this area, uh, Congresswoman Nadia Blasquez, she had asked me because I was one of the few restaurants in this area, which mm-hmm. includes Chinatown, mm-hmm. and that had actually applied. Wow. Yeah. And if you don't know, I mean, we're in the Lower East Side in like borderline Chinatown and there you like, there are probably four restaurants per block. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that was shocking to me. It's it's not because I'm such a good speaker or that they were like excited to have me. It's because I, they could find me. Right. Uh, And the, you know, the discussion was the need for money. And then we started realizing as part of the independent restaurant coalition that if we were going to be successful and really represent independent restaurants, we needed to represent this group as well. And so that's what we've been working so hard on. So it's so heartening to know that 96,000 of them applied. Wow. That's that's amazing. How, how did you, how did getting the word to these restaurants differ from the PPP? We had more time. So that was one thing, right? I mean, we've been working on this for basically a year. Uh, and you know, that first round of PPP happened almost within a week, it dried right? up which was months. pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like mm-hmm. good for Congress getting something passed mm-hmm. that fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but You're then right. all, all the big problems. businesses had the leg up and they had the connection yeah. to know to log in immediately. Or yeah. Whatever. And they have the relationship with their banker Bank. and right. they could get their papers really easy right. or the papers they had were really what the people who were um, overseeing the PP wanted to see. Whereas in a small business, you might not have those exact specific papers. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so uh, we have translated everything into something like 14 different languages wow. on our site. Wow. Everybody who is in uh, their own communities have reached out. I know that I had uh, a couple of members of the New York City Council. They walked around Chinatown and handed out flyers. Just like, so like over really and over grassroots, yeah. like outreach. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So, nine, so how long is the portal taking applications for? Is there any idea? It was twenty six point eight billion in twenty eight point. I think three billion. It okay. was twenty five. Okay. In the in the first uh, ask, it was uh-huh. one hundred twenty billion, and then okay. that became twenty twenty five billion. And then at the end, when they were doing their reconciliation. Uh, there was actually sort of three billion extra left over. I mean, and that's a nice surprise bonus. <laughs> so Senator Schumer sort of pushed it our way. Aww. So that's why we actually went up to twenty eight plus billion. Thanks, Senator Schumer. I know. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Chuck. Um, and uh, obviously, we're going to need more money. So that's our, yeah. our next project is getting the program refunded, but really getting the program set up mm-hmm. was like incredibly hard. And mm-hmm. so that next step hopefully will be a little easier. Tell us a little bit about how the money can be used and is it all able to be forgiven the same way the original PPP was or? Yeah, I mean, the PP, the original PPP, both of them, PPP1 and PPP2, uh, are loans that can be forgiven, right? And this is really a grant that, if not used properly, can turn into a loan. So I know it, it sounds like they're exactly the same, but they're not. Like, as long as you spend the money, you have, we now have almost two years to spend it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can spend it on payroll, rent building your outside cabin hut patio streetery <laughs> yeah streetery um you can pay off some of your debt uh, like you can basically spend it on anything except you know a yacht 
Right. Don't spend it on a yacht. You're and not a new restaurant either. And not right. a new restaurant. Right. right. So it's only for existing. Is there a time frame for how long you had to have been in existence before? No, actually, that was one of the really amazing things that came out of this. Uh, you, but I have a, I'm a partner in an ethno restaurant, Lekka Burger, mm-hmm. and we had only been open for two months mm-hmm. in 2019. We're still open now, but because of those two months, we're actually able to, uh, apply for the, uh, the fund. Uh, it's just calculated differently than if you were in business for a whole year. And then even if you opened in 2020 mm-hmm. or were are about to open, you can actually get some of the fund because they realize people have spent money. I mean, sure. yeah, because just cause you're not actually open, yeah. like, hello, it takes 10 months on average <laughs> to build a restaurant. So yeah. you've already been paying rent. You didn't, you know, depending and you weren't able to operate you have all these costs. And what do you do? Just you're going to go bankrupt you're because you couldn't you even open. open. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So interesting. So even if you didn't actually open in 2019 and you were, what if you were like have a lease, but you're not actually opened in 2020 or 2021 yet? Is that? I think if you, I think if you, the, the third calculation, there's actually, I think four different ways to calculate. Um, and I think if you're about to open, you can still apply. As long as you have your lease signed, you have your tax number, mm-hmm. you can show receipts for money already spent. Uh, I believe that you can apply. And what are the, four, so you said there's four calculations. So walk us through what the four way, like the four ways to ask for funds are. Well, the first one would be if you, you're just in business and you right. calculate uh, your 2019. It's uh, based on your revenue. From yeah. The 2019 revenue uh, minus 2020 revenue. And what that percentage of that are you able to apply for? All of it minus any loans you've gotten, like any PPP. PPP. Not if you got the idle loan, the mm-hmm. ideal. Right. So you can apply uh, for a loan equal to your revenue from the year before minus, minus two PPP. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. It actually sort of works out if <laughs> you didn't open or you have very little revenue, you'll right. get more money, right? So places, right. which is fair, it's how it should work. If right. you're up and running and sure. you're not going to get you as much. Right. right. Theoretically, you should have been making revenue. Right. right. And then the second one is again, sort of like Lekka burger. You take the average of the months that you were open. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, uh, that, that's what you'll end up getting. And then, um, for as many months as you were for the rest, like for the whole year. So right. if you had two months that you were open, you would times it by that average by 12. And then the third one, again, as the third and fourth are the ones, because they don't apply to me at all. Uh, but that's where you, uh, you can show that I wasn't able to open okay. at all. Right. And I'm a new business and here are my receipts and you'll, you'll get enough money for that. Do people have to navigate the application alone or are they able to contact the IRC for assistance or is there anyone you SBA can actually, I mean, you can assistance. certainly contact the IRC, but we'll probably push you to the SBA. They have a huge, they have two really amazing things. They have a hotline where mm-hmm. they are answering all your questions, mm-hmm. super helpful. And uh, they also did this like amazing fact page where like any question you could possibly have, they've tried to answer. Part of the, what we were doing in the run up to this was we hosted a lot of roundtables. So mm-hmm. almost uh, every member of the IRC participated in these roundtables, often uh, with the SBA, and uh, they would actually take the questions from the chat alongside and realize those were questions that people were going to want to know, uh, and that's sort of what's on their uh, Q&A forms. So it's it's really neat. They've been they've been great. That's amazing. And how long is it taking to get the loans out? We don't know. Yeah, okay. TBD. TBD. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of verification. You have to go through a whole IRS verification. Then you have to have your application reviewed by the SBA again. And so it's supposed to maybe be a 10-day turnaround. Wow, that's pretty quick. Yeah. 
Yeah. But it could also take much, much longer depending on how many questions they have. And I know there was the priority groups, but at this point, the application process is open to anybody. Yeah, it was open from the moment that that 12 o'clock on Monday, it was mm-hmm. open to anybody there, yep. but they won't be Processing. considered. Yeah, right. right. How long did the application take you? Like, what should people be expecting if they haven't yet applied and they're going to go put their application in? Well, it's funny because I, it, having been on a bunch of these roundtables yeah. and then uh, the SBA also did a couple of webinars. So they were sort of like, it was all like they were giving us the answers to the test. Yeah. So I feel like all of us who have been watching these, like we yeah. practiced doing, they were like, yeah, you should be able to do it in under 20 minutes. And we were like, okay. Did it work? Did you time yourself? Uh, I did, but I got stuck because my, they have, you, they link up to your bank account and there's three ways the bank can contact me, I guess, but one of them had the wrong phone number and then oh, they don't man. go to the next two. Oh, and I couldn't understand. I was like crying on the phone with Bank of America. I was like, why will right, Cloud so work for me? sure that all of your banking information yeah. is correct with your correct phone number. Exactly. But if you have all the documents and you look at it, it, it really does only take about 20 minutes. About 20 minutes. And it's not something you need like a CPA to help you with. It's it's information no, that you should you have, should have. your bookkeeper. and. Yeah. And pretty straight. No, and actually it has to be you who fills it in because you have to sign it. And so because it's all online, like you, you can't share it, right? Okay. One person gets to sign it. Right. Yeah. And how much like data did you have to go back for just 2019 or? Um, have- I think just 2019 um, tax, my 2019, I mean, for me, it was 2019 taxes. I had three months of uh, current bank account because I wanted yeah. to make sure you're still open. Right, right. right. And then uh, my POS from 2019 reports in 2020. And I think, I honestly think that was it. Like you don't need that much. Right. They're going to go and review it and they look at your bank account to make sure like everything is uh, on the up and up. Yeah. If you did 2020, were they reviewing to see like if you had, if you did business? I, I mean, suppose you turned in a successful pivot and we're doing really well. Will they still be getting as much money or does that money come out of the loan? That money comes out. So let's say like, let's say I did, I used to do 2 million and then I did 500 this year and I have like 500 in PPP. These aren't my numbers, but PPP loans, then I would actually be eligible for a million dollars. Right. But so if I did $2 million usually, and then I did, um, I don't know, 15, 1.5 million and my PPP loans are 500,000. I'm not eligible. There's no difference in that, but that's good for you. That means like that you're actually- good. It's not right. unfairly benefiting someone who's exactly. done great during a pivot or something. Yeah, somewhat what happened during with PPP yeah. is it was based on payroll, not on revenue. So I think that's a really big distinction yeah, fast, here. Casual places were cashing in both on PPP and on Yeah, that's business. right. They, you didn't, you could be and doing as well as you could and right. your entire staff and you're just- right. And you're just getting a PPP loan, which that's isn't right. quite fair. It was, and it was all self-certified, so. Well, and then also with the PPP, it was particularly hard for- because um, we're all in very different situations for places like New York and LA and mm-hmm. Chicago, where we weren't open for most of it. Right. Right. So for the first PPP, like, until they extended to extended it the 24 weeks, I was like, well, what am I going to do? Just hire people. Right. And then, or have like some of them come to work when I'm open and then like some of them get to stay home. Like it didn't make any sense because we could only, we couldn't even do indoors. So what am I going to do with 35 right. The window employees? to spend it was very short. And the, too, right? so the, like the two-year window yeah. of this one is, it makes a big difference. Huge, huge yeah. difference. And you can spend it on much, much more. Right. What does it mean for your business? Like, you know, how, is it fundamentally changing things for you? Is it fundamentally changing how you're reopening? Like, is there, yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, I think both PPPs and the RRF 
Um, I am a very tourist <laughs> heavy restaurant. I'm a real destination restaurant. Uh, we learned that very quickly. I'd always thought that, but we learned that very quickly when we reopened and we were like, oh yeah, where is everybody? <laughs> There's nobody here. Um, and I mean, we, we did our best to become a neighborhood restaurant, but it's, it's really hard to change people's opinions of what you are. Uh, and so for me, it'll allow me to actually just stay open, mm -hmm. pay my rent, pay my employees, even if I don't do that well, because I doubt I'm going to fill up to the numbers I was until tourism really returns. And that is going to be, I think that's the case for a lot of New York uh, restaurants too. A lot. Does yeah. it change your mind about the idea as a business owner? Would you next shop, would you try to be more of a balance between neighborhood and, and uh, there is so much that I would now do haven't been yeah. through I'm because after Hurricane Sandy I was like all right I'll never have a restaurant that you have to walk downstairs to like, <laughs> no more basement I learned that one this one I'm like okay never open a restaurant um on a street where you're the only restaurant never open one on a commercial street mm -hmm. never open one where Why you can't open your restaurant? windows well because I Tell found that, that the places that are really busy actually sort of they tend to be pockets yeah, I think they go down and they're like, oh, people are like, oh, it's fun. It's right. amazing. Like, look, there's all these people on the street and they're talking right. and like, you know, you feel this real communal spirit with the restaurant right next door to you. Right. Dirt Candy's this like eyesore in the middle of Allen Street. It's not, not an eyesore. <laughs> it is like our patio just sticks out. We're the only one right. almost all the way down Allen Street yeah. until you get past Rivington. Right. 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 So for our listeners, the block that Amanda's referring to is, you know, there's like a hotel yeah. and a bank and, <laughs> and then like a bus stop just to the other side. So it is, it's a big block, but it is sort of on the edge of where there are smaller storefronts. But then, yeah, well, and the a block and a half away is like the party the central. Height of party Orchard central. Street. Yeah. That's exactly what you're saying. Is yeah. The restaurants feed off yeah. each but other. Even like I wouldn't have thought about that. A side way. street, like it's, you know, I just, all those side streets as I walk home about 40 blocks and uh, any place where there's like more than one restaurant next to each other, mm -hmm. there it just always seems to be busy in restaurants and that I'm always like, what? But you're so much busier than me now, but I've never seen anybody in you before. I thought you were just a front. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I've been really surprised by some of the places and good for them uh, yeah. that have uh, done quite well throughout the pandemic. Yeah. It is a little counterintuitive, but it's, you know, it's interesting. So what have, so up until this point you did reopen some, but you were, had pivoted concept a little yeah. bit. So what were you, what were you all doing? Uh, so we did sandwiches and salads and soups and throughout the summer and we had a slushy machine like everybody else. <laughs> um, there's there? a little aisle yeah. for is the it? slushy okay. machine. <laughs> Will it stay or is it going to get thrown out the back? Uh, it'll stay for a while. There's nowhere to, but because our restaurant's so open, it's like an eyesore. It is. I mean, there's, you just can see it. There's nowhere good to put it. The slushy machine. The slushy right. machine. Um, and then, so, oh, and we also, uh, I work a little bit with Oatly. And mm -hmm. so they were kind enough to, uh, let me be the test with their, the tester for their, uh, soft serve. Oh, so, right. cool. mm -hmm. so we have a soft serve machine with the Oatly soft serve and it's delicious, but that's, so we tried all these things right. to get people in the door. And then at night we have a, a set menu, sort of a little, uh, nod to what we used to be. It's dirt a, candy light. Yeah. Dirt candy light, mm -hmm. I guess four or five courses, much cheaper than we used to be. Uh, and, uh, yeah. I mean, people are coming and we change the menu every two weeks at night. So that's been nice. We've gotten all these new regulars and people who are really supporting us through that. But, 
I don't, I yes, if I ever open another restaurant, I think I would like it to be a little bit more neighborhood friendly. We've tried to reach out to the neighbors and, and yeah. that was a mistake that we made, I think, start starting off from the beginning. At the same time, the menu that we have and the restaurant that we have, it does skew a little bit higher end. And, mm -hmm. and so it's hard to find that balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, you wouldn't, I mean, not every restaurant needs to necessarily be a neighborhood restaurant, right. but in the pandemic, that's why I have to prepare yeah. for a pandemic yeah. the next time I open a restaurant. <laughs> well, hopefully, wow. it's a once in a hundred year thing. So, <laughs> I, so. I mean, let's uh, let's pray there's not another one anytime soon in our lifetimes. But I think it is interesting because I think in the major cities that do rely on tourism, like New York, like Chicago, yeah. I think it will be a little bit of a long haul until until we have tourism back for so many of us. So I think it's like the timing for the RRF. <laughs> it's, it's what's going to keep yeah. us, you know, we're not going to, I'm not going to come out of this a millionaire, but I'll at least be able to keep my doors open and be waiting for the tourists when they come back. All right. So speaking about keeping your doors open, let's talk a little bit about reopening because it's coming up it May 20th. Up. <laughs> so mark your calendars and tell us about what the restaurant will look like. Dirt Candy 2.0 or actually 3. Point, is it 3.0? I think it's 3.0. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, tell us. Uh, yeah, so we have not done indoor dining yet. The, we haven't done it the entire pandemic. We're probably one of the few that didn't. Um, and uh, it just, you know, we kept trying to push it off as far as that because you wanted people to be vaccinated or? Yeah, we wanted people to be vaccinated. We wanted us to be vaccinated. We wanted more of the population to be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. But also we, we've had quite a year with guests and most of them have been amazing. But we've also had to be the COVID police. You know, this put your mask on, on put your mask on. And I just, I can't, I can't do that outside and inside. It was, <laughs> and, I, and I can't ask my servers to do that. Mm -hmm. Um you know, it was, uh, it was pretty brutal sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we just, I really wanted to wait to make sure there really was a little bit more, uh, herd immunity, even mm -hmm. if we haven't quite hit it yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, and also part of it was I wanted to make sure we weren't going back. I don't, I didn't want to open and then have to close the doors again. Uh, like we did in the fall. It's a break. So then it's just like, you took people off unemployment right. and it's like so heartbreaking to have to shut it down again, waste ingredients. Exactly. Like that was yeah. already too hard the first time. So, I mean, we picked a random date, May 20th, which is funny because we're still really opening at 50% capacity inside, but you can be a hundred percent now mm -hmm. at that point in, uh, in New York. But you'll do 50% of Yeah, what? because... I mean, if we space out the tables and we're not getting barriers and we do 50% in our dining room, which is about uh, 24% or so, or I guess 22 tables mm -hmm. or 22 people. I have 22 outside. So yeah, so I'm full capacity. I don't have the ability to really, if the whole dining room is sitting down at one time to serve more people than that. Like it right. fundamentally changes my business. Right. Uh, so we get to, you know, seem really like we're doing the right thing by keeping our table space <laughs> and not right. having that many people in. But the reality is, it's just because the 50% and the outdoors. It's not business. a huge kitchen. I know that when we walk by, sometimes we'll see the yeah. team prepping in the dining room before dinner or whatnot. So yeah. And what you see, there's space, no secret yeah. kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so, and what was, all of a sudden I was going to be like, well, so instead of having four people at night, I'm going to have like eight people at night serve. Like it just didn't, right. I was like, that's too big of a headache. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really fascinated by how this is actually going to work out in the city because I know we've had a lot of restaurants closed, but to me, it seems like we have more seats 
than we have Mm -hmm. ever had because of the outdoors. Sure. You know, people can basically just put barriers up in their restaurant and be at a hundred percent capacity. You just have to, you don't have to have any spacing and then they have a full outside patio. That's a a lot more seats. So like nobody's going to have to go out and eat at five 30 or 10 30 anymore. Like the city will have enough seats. I still like eating at five 30, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, no, that's, it is true. It's, you know, so your capacity basically essentially doubles with your outside. It could. I mean, I, but yeah, I could if you were cool, certainly capacity. do 44 people inside and it, uh, another 22 outside. I mean, I could put more people outside too. Our tables outside are, are spaced. Very spaced. Yeah. So eventually, I mean, this will be, there will be opportunities for people to do even better, hopefully. I mean, that's the other, that's the other like silver lining. Yeah. I think, if they for, can find employees. <laughs> right. So that brings us to the next point. So I don't know if uh, you don't follow Dirt Candy on Instagram, you should. Um, and this week, Amanda posted for hiring all positions and starting wage is $25 an hour, 25 to 27, 25 actually. to 27. We have a couple of people who I full disclosure that we're paying a little bit less than that, but they look, they have no experience. Mm-hmm. And so our goal is to get them up to mm-hmm. 25 as fast as possible, but they are, I think the pay rate is 22 or 23 for them. And historically, we all know people basically pay minimum wage for kitchen employees, right? So in New York City, it's been $15 an hour. And that was pretty standard. Even like some like line cooks and sous chefs are making 17. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about, so this sent ripples. People (laughs) have been talking about it. I've seen it reposted a million times, rightfully so. So tell us about the decision behind this and what The other thing before you do that is that people aren't always even paying for the hours worked. They're yes, often that's true paying too. a standard eight-hour shift and then working 10 to 12 hours. Yes. Which I've done many times. <laughs> I had, and, and then I yeah. stop. I then we never really did that in the restaurant. Um, the Yeah, it's funny because of all the things I've ever posted or ever said out loud, this is the one that's like it's gone, bananas. gone. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's gone viral. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I think it's a weird metric, but like I think I the highest like I've had likes I've ever had on Instagram, maybe like 2,500. And I think I'm at like 5,500 now, like just really like it's, it's bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, when the pandemic happened right at the beginning, before we knew anything about the stimulus uh, checks that were coming out and uh, enhanced unemployment. Um, and, and I had paid my staff pretty decently. We don't have tipping. So we were able to sort of, you know, at least make sure that uh, our cooks were well paid, not great, but well-paid and that our servers had this sort of guaranteed income uh, every week. Uh, But I looked at them and I was like, oh, (laughs) we're all fucked. (laughs) Basically, I'm like, I know you, there's no way you guys are going to be able to survive. Uh, I mean, obviously you can survive, but like, this is going to be really tough after two weeks for you. And I mean, it was going to be really tough for me as a restaurant owner, because I, I know how much I had in my bank account. It's like, "Ah, it's going to be tough. Uh, And, uh, I just, I, I was like, okay, I'm here. We're going to go through this right now. And, and actually we were pretty fortunate in Dirt Candy because everybody was paid what they were paid. They were on the high end of unemployment. So it, it ended up working out okay for them, I guess. Uh, but that fear, that moment of panic that I had the day when I had to close the restaurant and I guess the hours leading up to it, I was like, I never want to go through this again. And I don't want anybody to work for me to ever feel what they're probably feeling right now. Um, and so I basically made a promise to myself and I wrote a New York times piece based on it too, which is that I'm not opening the same restaurant. I closed, I'm not going to do this. 
uh, I was like, you know, I have to give me more of a safety net and I have to give my staff more of a safety net. And then, uh, you know, the, the months dragged on um, and dragged and dragged <laughs> a lot of time to think about it. yeah and a lot of time and then a lot of things happened sort of in the media and online and uh you know i think there was a whole sort of uh reckoning uh for sort of workplaces and, and what that meant and um i it, it sort of solidified everything i had been thinking about for for months and then i learned a lot in it i don't agree with everything <laughs> but there was certainly a lot of i took a lot away from the discussions and uh yeah i mean when we decided we were going to reopen i i sat my staff down and i was like we're not opening the same restaurant we closed and this is what we're going to do uh we are going to uh pay our employees our living wage and to me in new york that is about $25 an hour. It's still not enough. That actually kills me, but I, I just don't, I won't have enough money to pay more, but hopefully uh, as time goes on, I'll, and this, you know, experiment works out, we'll be able to pay more. But Tell us a little bit about that. Like, you know, you're nearly doubling your labor versus other restaurants. So obviously you don't have to give us all of your numbers, but, but how do you make, how do you balance that on your, on your balance sheet to make it, does yeah, it, the prices double. Do the <laughs> well. That's what we're going to do. Profit margins shrink. Where is it? Yeah, well, I, you can't really shrink my profit margins much. <laughs> Most more. restaurants you can. It's five yeah, to ten percent. Five max, to ten percent. You know, Mine so was pretty low. It was pretty low. That's why we need to know how do you. <laughs> how are you doing this? How am I doing this? Um, well, payroll is already basically fifty percent because of no tipping, right? Because it, 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 in a quick explanation, is payroll is usually about thirty percent. I take the extra twenty percent that people are getting tipped add that in and then it gets paid out and that gets to 50%. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so it seems really high, but everybody's is really across the city. Right. 50%, that's just not how it's calculated right. because it's not based on tips. Um, so everybody who's like, my payroll's really like low. It's actually sort of this false logic. Right. Um, and I had always undercharged uh, somewhat, even though my prices are expensive. It was a value. It was. it was an extreme value, and I'm glad you raised prices. I will be the first to say that. I mean, $85 for five courses is still a value. I think it's, it's still, still a I know, and, and we will value. probably raise it at some point. This is our, we're, tra- we're, we're slowly tiptoeing into it. Um, but it's hard. We serve vegetables. We don't have, like, these big, luxurious ingredients. It's really hard to convince people that vegetables have value. Really, like, when you buy a plate of food at a restaurant, you really think you're just paying for that piece of meat. The, right. the vegetables are the side. They might as well be free half the time. Like they are free. Uh, and even when people go into a supermarket, you know, they don't buy vegetables because they think they're too expensive there, but they think they should be free in a restaurant. Like it just doesn't right. compute. Right. Um, and, and also this is a whole separate conversation, but dirt candy sort of isn't one of those, uh, we get a lot of recognition and I'm not an ignored chef, but we don't get a lot of awards and sort of like, honors and and it's really hard to raise your prices i think unless you have like a michelin star and then yeah. you're like oh well now i'm in this category so i can do this or i want a james beard so i can do this that's sort of the natural progression that's how those high-end restaurants end up getting this incredibly high price yeah. um and so because of that and also vegetarians t- sometimes tend to skew or vegans skew young they don't have a lot of money right uh so it is yeah yeah market has grown 
But it's, I mean, it's, it's smart of you as a business owner to realize who your customer is, right. to understand and how to give them the value that they perceive and to push right. that as much as you can. Um, so how we're making it work now, uh, hopefully it does work. Uh, we're charging a lot more with one menu at night, right? And so we used to run two menus side by side. And it's not that we had a ton of waste, but I wasted a lot of labor energy mm -hmm. and wasted like so much because we, even though we sort of knew what was going to, it was 50, 50 chance that one of them was going to get chosen. Um, it was just a lot of work. And over the summer, when I started looking at the numbers, our food costs, because we were really ordering for one menu at night, they were lower than they've ever been in my entire, in the entire history of dirt candy. Um, and I was like, Oh, Wow, that's really interesting. I mean, duh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you just need to see it. Yeah, and I was like, actually, that's sort of, uh, that's the nut I almost can use to do some of what I want to do because mm -hmm. it is, in the end, a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're raising the prices. Our food costs are going to go way down. Mm -hmm. uh, we are hiring our staff at a much higher rate than they were beforehand. But even then, it's not... I was already paying my servers $25 an hour. So I, I had some of that already built into my payroll and, and it's really the line cooks and uh, who are getting a, a bigger raise, but it's not $10. Uh, right. It's like somewhere between seven for some of them and five for others. So it's yeah. still a big raise. It is yeah. still a big raise. Yeah. yeah. It's still significant. You have That's the same quantity of staff. No, we'll have front? much less. It's a much more streamlined. Yeah. yeah. So because you're able to do it with less people, less food waste at a better food cost. And that's well, where I would imagine you're going to have more longevity with your team, which that's means they're going to be better yeah. trained. Yeah. And they, and, and the more we have more that efficient as they say, that's right. right. Then they also can participate in making mm -hmm. sure this business runs. Uh, better than it did beforehand. And we didn't have a huge staff turnover constantly, but it was enough where, you know, it starts to feel a little un unsettled and, and not as cohesive as uh, I wanted it to be. So that was one of the other reasons I also mm -hmm. want to do this. And uh, yeah, we're going to offer health insurance. Yay! That, that's the hard one because it's, it's, oh, it's so it's expensive. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, we <laughs> offer health insurance for our small team and yeah. it is it's expensive. Yeah, that's the one. But thing. I feel really, I cried the day we announced you're giving health insurance to people as a small business. And this team was like, why are you crying? I'm like, because it's America. I'm giving somebody health insurance. And yeah. It feels good. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, it's like, it, it's a tough thing, especially in this industry when people are young, but they haven't been making a lot and you, something happens and that's I know. it. And yeah. they you never see them again because they're like, I'm not going back. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, we won't be able to pay a hundred percent for their health insurance, yeah, but of course. we're going to we'll figure it out. Yeah. Subsidize yeah. some of it. Um, and I just, I, you know, I want my workers to feel safe. I ask them to work so incredibly hard. Um, and I want them to, to believe in us as much as we believe in them. So everybody is saying that it's a really tight labor market for hospitality right now. After you announced this, did you see an influx of candidates? How like how, yeah, I say suck it to all those people. <laughs> <laughs> we have more applicants, and we know what to do with. Wow. Yeah. And you think that's because of the and that's because of the pay that you guys posted? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think well. It's funny because a lot of the people who we've been interviewing, yes, they've come for the pay, but we have a whole like and your culture and what you that's guys right. are doing. They're like, the actually, I really want to work with you operator. all. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They've been. They're like, actually, I like the idea of this place. I like what you're doing. This is where I want to be. And I think that's one of the discussions that was sort of going on constantly online too, where workers felt just sort of like 
um, workers. They didn't feel very participatory in the business because they weren't invited in. And we thought we had, but obviously we haven't done enough. Um, And so they've really like sort of, when when they read the ad and I, and I guess the post, they're like, I like the idea of the culture that they want to do at this restaurant. And that's something that I want to be a part of and help build. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see how <laughs> experiment with this and yeah. their candy 3.0 works out. I think <laughs> Me it, too. I think you'll be fine. I think there are good things to come in it. You know, when you put something like that out there and you do try to change a culture, it hopefully has ripple effects and, and changes things for the better for I hope so. You know, it's one of those where um, everybody, so many people, you know, they post like something about Black Lives Matter or something about workers and they were like, yeah, this is what we have to do. And the the real test of it is where do you spend your money, right? Are you going to spend it at a place like Dirt Candy, whether or not you like the food, but you know, they treat their workers well. Or are you going to spend it somewhere else where, um, you know, it's just a regular restaurant and they're not doing a you know, right by their employees. And and that's what, to me, this whole past year has mm-hmm. come down to like, where are you going to spend dollars. Yeah. yeah. Vote with your dollars. I, I agree with that. And I think hopefully people, some of the psychology has changed where people are valuing products that restaurants and people are actually putting out in their labor and, and all the time for it. Owning and operating a restaurant is difficult as it is, right? So there's all the things that you have to deal with, with labor and uh, menu and getting the doors open every day and let alone now in these times with the pandemic. So can you imagine also having all these different uh, third-party systems? We need systems. That's why there's Pop Menu. It's the restaurant tool that turns more first-time guests into regulars. And guess what, folks? It integrates many of the third-party systems. It's an all-in-one toolkit, right, for restaurant owners. And basically they do dynamic menu design, um, contactless ordering, automated remarketing. They can host your website. Um, and then when they host your website, then you get analytics, email marketing, social endorsements. We all know how important those social endorsements are. They have reviews right on your menu page, which, look, getting a vote of confidence from other people really pushes everybody over the edge. Right. And I know that, you know, every time that we look for a new place to dine out, it always starts where? Online, right? Online. Always um, online. Making sure that your website or that your website's up to date and stylish and looks great and also has all the functionality and and ease of use for both you and for your consumer is basically what PopMenu does for you, right? That's it. So trust me, if you're a restaurant owner, you need PopMenu to take your business to the next level. For a limited time only, you get $100 off of your first month. Plus, you lock in one unchanging monthly rate. So go to popmenu.com slash HRN. That's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash HRN. Reopening season is upon us, and I'm sure you all are super busy hiring your team and onboarding new people. So what a better time to get yourself acquainted with Diageo Bar Academy. It's a great place for not only for you as an owner operator, but also for your team to really pick up on a lot of useful skills. A lot of those things that that you didn't even know you were missing. So, um, all kinds of things that you can brush up on your latest cocktail and bar trends, step up social media marketing, you know, really improve, um, 
your menu and and really get your team and your staff motivated. There's just there's a lot to learn from Diageo Bar Academy. And the best part about Diageo Bar Academy, have I told you, it's free. So you can get all these trainings, all these amazing resources for your team, things to help you learn how to have a more profitable menu for free. So make sure you stay informed, inspired, and connected to grow your career or your business by joining Diageo Bar Academy today. So why wait? Visit diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. Become a member and sign up for all the newsletters, all the content. It's completely free. You will be amazed at what they have. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. That's D-I-A. G-E-O baracademy.com. We like to do a little lightning round <laughs> okay. to cap it off. Um, as these are meant to be quick one to two word an- answers, um, but you can elaborate where, where you feel. So you want to start us off? Sure. What was your, well, you're not uh, reopened entirely yet, but what was your biggest challenge in reopening? Aside from the water shortage today. (laughs) (laughs) The no water in the restaurant. I I think it was actually um, dealing with guests. Again, so many of them have been great, but, you know, one or two bad apples can really ruin a night for everybody. It's re-education for you you and and the guests. This this is consistent for, like, the whole past year that we've been interviewing people during the pandemic. It's been, like, the guests, the guests. And same thing, a lot of people have said they didn't want to reopen because... They don't want to police people's bad behavior. And well, and one of the problems is we were really strict. Yeah. But there's yeah, restaurants around the corner maybe isn't as strict right. as right. we were, right? right. And so right. I don't even fault the guests at all times. They're like, you know, we'd have these discussions. I'm like, it's ping pong for them. They right. don't know the rules at each right. place. Right. And everybody has very different ideas of yeah. what it should be. Very. Right. Which is fine. It's your own idea, I suppose. But <laughs> it's tough the rules on the and business. You're in somebody else's yeah. space. That's all I have to say. Um, yeah. What are you most looking forward to with? reopening and everything happening i am really looking forward to uh having a dining room where it's so loud and everything's clanking <laughs> and there's so many voices and the music is going and you feel this indoor energy which you cannot feel outside it's just very very different um and i'm just so excited for the that buzz. the buzz like i want to turn to my manager and be like oh why is it so loud in here <laughs> is that may no when is that when will that happen may, oh, hopefully may 20th you think it'll be the, that that yeah. vibe will be back then? No, no I think it's going to be a while because, again, yeah. our dining room is only going to have, at the most at one time, 22 people in it. Right. Versus Plus the you're not going to set the bar first, which no. means you're not going to be as drunk and rowdy. That's and right. <laughs> There's a lot. I mean, it's very interesting because I miss that, too. That's, I miss that's the, the restaurant, yeah. the culture buzz that the diner gets, you know, a kick out of. And obviously the chefs and the ki- kitchen and the servers and all that. But, yeah, that'll be an interesting one to see when that comes back. Um any business resources that you would recommend to um, our listeners, whether it be a book or a person or a SBA type thing? Or Wow. Um, well, I would definitely say sign up uh, at saverestaurants.com and start getting the Independent uh, Restaurant Coalition newsletter. Uh, we are... Uh, we While well, we formed because of uh, the pandemic, uh, we are going to stay around for a long time. Right. And... Uh, continue to be a voice for independent restaurants because there was never really anybody who was our voice beforehand. Um, and, uh, we want restauranters and, uh, uh, 
people in the industry to support us and, and become members. And then I also, I work with uh, the restaurant uh, workers community foundation, I, RWCF. RWCF. Yeah. Right. RWCF. I'm actually on the board, so please don't get mad at me if you you're all listening to this. Uh, and I think they're great. And, and I think what they're doing is uh, exactly what uh, the industry needs, which is uh, focusing a lot more on the employees and, and how to support them. Yeah. And the other reframe that you hear um, over and over, if you listen to our show, is that if you're in the restaurant business, you're in the employee business, you're not in the restaurant right, business. That's right. And I think that is just so true and evident in what you guys are doing at Dirt Candy. All right. What is your favorite vegetable to cook? Well, my favorite vegetable, I guess I, I, I would consider it to cook, is onions. Onions. Yeah, because I really feel like it's often overlooked as a vegetable, mm. but it does so much, mm-hmm. you know, layers to this thing. <laughs> um, you can Literally. make it sweet. You can eat it raw. You cook it. Like it just, it, the, the possibilities with onions are really, really endless. And I feel bad for it because everybody's always like, I don't know, carrot or like, <laughs> broccoli and that poor little onion. Just Nobody recognizes variation. It. Uh, I'm a red onion fan. Red onions. I like okay. a red onion. Too. I like a raw red onion yeah. salad. I just do. <laughs> I just do. Cool. Should we do announcements? Yeah. Um, well, we always like to shout out opening soon announcements or reopening soon announcements. So you hear it here. Everyone will be Yeah. <laughs> From our customers. Like- Thank you, customers. We love you too. Everybody's reopening on May 19th, right. which is All awesome. All of your aprons will be ready. May All 19th. of your aprons will be ready for May 19th. We're trying. We're trying. We're trying. Um, but there are a lot of reopenings. So you guys are reopening on May 20th. Yeah. Um, I know Balaboosta is reopening on May 11th here in the city. May 19th as well, I thought, no? Oh, I thought they were the 11th. I don't know. Sorry, not. Um, We have Contras reopening um, in the the coming weeks. I think they're also in a week or two. They retained their Michelin star, which they were thankful for. Um, Yeah, lots of anybody you want to shout out? And all the restaurants. Just keep supporting (laughs) us. Yes, please. Awesome. Um, Tell us how we can find you social. What's your handles? Dirt Candy or Dirt Candy NYC depends. I think Instagram's Dirt Candy NYC and uh, Twitter's Dirt Candy. Dirt Candy NYC was already, or just Dirt Candy was already taken on Instagram. I know, so annoying. Um, We are at, we are opening soon and at Tilla NYC. And thanks for being here. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Opening soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You could also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.